It's Saturday, November 23rd, 1963, and you're listening to And That's the Way It Was. Well, Matt, we finished uh, that newspaper from Duluth earlier, but why don't we take a look at the, uh, the Daily Globe and see if there's any different stories in here. I know that most of these stories are going to be sourced from the AP, so there's probably going to be a lot of overlap on the same day, but let's see if there's anything different here. Kennedy funeral rites at noon Monday. Suspect in Kennedy murder admits being a communist. Denies guilt in assassination in Dallas Friday. Oswald once tried to renounce citizenship. How's mm. your sandwich? Mm. Boiled egg and horseradish. How can you beat that? Yeah. <laughs> Dallas police chief Jesse Curry said today Lee Harvey Oswald has, quote, ready, readily admitted he is a communist. Curry said Oswald admitted to officers in questioning Friday night that he was a member of the Communist Party. The police chief said, apparently he was proud of being a communist. He didn't try to hide it. Curry said he did not know whether Oswald was a card-carrying member of the party. Quote, last year, Oswald said on a New Orleans television panel, he was not a communist, but was a Marxist, Curry said. But actually, Oswald has never drawn any distinction between the two. Curry said the, uh, the police never had Oswald listed on their suspicious list. We have another man working in that same building who has been listed in our subversive files since 1955, Curry said. Police were seeking this man for questioning. Oswald, charged Friday night with murdering the president, insisted he is not the assassin. But an officer said today, I think we got some good results from the paraffin test on both Oswald's hands. Curry said that there are up to 30 known communists in the Dallas area. There was no immediate explanation from police as to what the paraffin tests would have shown since Oswald fired at least one shot in the slaying of a patrolman and attempted a second shot when arrested. What's a paraffin test? That's to see if they have uh, gunpowder residue on their hands from the firing of a weapon. Yeah, but... Uh, so they just, wouldn't he have it if From the shooting the of the police, exactly. So I don't know what that was supposed to show. We have some good results there. Anyway, uh, that whole... No, wrong article. Where am I? There was no immediate explanation from the police as to what the paraffin test would have shown since he shot one shot in the slaying of a patrolman and attempted a second shot when arrested. A rifle was used to slay the president. With his jaw thrust out and his eyes intent and piercing... Uh, that's that art, that picture that we would have seen in that other paper earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his eyes intent and piercing, Oswald kept telling newsmen, I did not kill President Kennedy. I did not kill anyone. I don't know what this is all about. Chief Detective Charles Brown said he believed the hand tests were positive, but was not certain about results of a paraffin test on Oswald's face. Paraffin tests are aimed at proving a suspect had fired a weapon. Paraffin is poured onto the hands or, or face to pick up microscopic particles of gunpowder residue which show up then on chemical tests. Brown said he has great faith in paraffin tests. But they said that they didn't, couldn't Yeah, well, he, sh- he shot a police officer afterwards, so whether he fired the rifle or not, he would still 
come up positive on a paraffin test, right? Why would he shoot a police officer if he wasn't guilty of something else? I also don't see why... What do you think about this this uh, headline about him being a communist? Page 8, continue. He wasn't a card-carrying member. It sounds like you're a union member. No, but I the Communist Party does have member cards. Uh, anything else? Yeah, and they talk about when he shot the police officer in here. You know, look back at the uh, the other page, the front page. Didn't it say that he wasn't, that it might not have even been Kennedy was the target, it was Johnson? Here, let me see. I saw that headline. Uh, or not Johnson. Uh, uh, I saw it was Connolly. Yeah. Connolly was prime target. Lee Harvey Oswald, the man charged with the assassination of President Kennedy, wrote a letter to former Secretary of the Navy John Connolly, the, pre uh, the present governor of Texas, asking Connolly to reverse the former Marine's undesirable discharge from the Navy. Connolly refused the request. The exact date of the letter is not known, but it was written when Oswald was in Russia and presumably sent to Connolly when he was President Kennedy's so, Secretary of the Navy. So Oswald sent a direct letter to Connolly. In the past. In the past, which is, I mean, coincidence? Oswald returned about a year ago from a three-year stay in the Soviet Union. Connolly was wounded in the gunfire which killed Kennedy Friday. The Defense Department disclosed today that the handwritten letter from Oswald to Connolly was in the personnel records of Oswald, which were flown here from a record center in St. Louis. The development could pose the question of whether Connolly, rather than Kennedy, might have been the primary target if the government charge that Oswald did the shooting is sustained. Well, did it say who was hit first? I don't know if there's any confirmation of that. Uh... I, I haven't seen that written anywhere. All I heard was that there was three shots, two of which hit uh, hit Kennedy and one of them hit Connolly. Yeah, so you wonder who was shot first. But even then, if Connolly was the, the main target, I mean, there was two shots that hit Kennedy. I mean, a bit morbid, but pretty much right where you'd want to hit a guy if you were shooting him. So, the, I don't know, to me, the odds of missing a guy... And hitting another guy in the exact place that you would want to hit a guy without aiming for that guy. Yeah, but look at where he was shooting from. Yeah, I mean, it was a long shot, but that, I mean, the, the what are the odds of hitting that exact point again? Yeah. Anyway. New president seeking unity in tragic time. Johnson enters first full day as president. I believe that this is the exact same article that we had in the other paper. I think that one might be. I'm pretty be. sure that that is the yeah. exact same article. So we'll skip I think that one. That might be. Jacqueline Kennedy bade her husband a touching farewell. Yeah. Mrs. Kennedy said goodbye to her husband with a kiss on his lifeless lips and then slipped her ring on his finger. From there on, from the emergency room to the Dallas hospital, through the sad flight home, the naval hospital where he was prepared for burial until she brought him home in death to the White House early today, she was at his side. 
As she passed through the somber portals of the executive mansion, she still wore the pink suit stained with the blood of the, his fatal wounds. Which we saw that picture yesterday. Yeah, it was all up her legs and everything. Yeah. Uh, where was I? With his fatal wounds and carried herself with self-control. It was a harsh day and it left Mrs. Kennedy dazed and tearless, almost unable to show emotion. Her husband had been shot as he sat beside her in a gaily received motor motorcade. She had held him bleeding and mortally wounded in the speeding dash to a hospital where he never regained consciousness. Hmm. Yeah, they're just talking about all of the people consoling her then afterwards. Next. Next. Oh, body to lay in state and capital for 24 hours. Surprised it's only 24 hours. Yeah, it could. Tragic flash from Dallas like clap of thunder. Great shock. Here is the order of succession. Remember, we were talking about that yesterday. You don't think about it very often. Vice President, then Speaker of the House, then President Pro Tempore, then Secretary of State, then Secretary of the Treasury. Winter sweeps into Michigan. Well, yeah, we know about that. Let's see, what do we got next? President killed. There's that photo. President John F. Kennedy was shot to death by a hidden assassin armed with a high-powered rifle. This picture was made moments before he was shot. That might be the same picture that they had in the other newspaper. It's very similar in any case. Yeah. Stenographer sobs at news of presidents she had met. I think that a lot of people are sobbing right now. Stunned nation faces changes under new chief. A stunned nation faced today a gradual but perceptible change of course under its new president, Lyndon B. Johnson. Wow, in only one day, a perceptible change of course? Johnson can be expected to continue the international policies of John F. Kennedy, which he said repeatedly have put the communists on the defensive by giving the non-communist world the initiative. But domestically, a reorientation of policies in a political and of political action appears inevitable. Labels always are inadequate to describe the complexities of political beliefs, but the assassinated Kennedy was basically liberal and his successor is fundamentally conservative. This puts an entirely new complexion on the 1964 presidential contest of Johnson as the Democratic nominee as he seems surely to become. Instead of facing the certainty they will be opposing a Democrat who leaned towards the left and whose personal popularity seemed likely to remain high, Republicans will have the alternative of picking a candidate to contest a man whose roots reach deep in the conservative South, but who has come around to espousing civil rights in almost every liberal cause. This could be disappointing to the supporters of Senator Barry Goldwater, who counted heavily on their man's outspoken opposition to Kennedy's policies and Goldwater's conservative stance to win the Republican nomination for him. It could help lift the hopes of New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller in his self-designated underdog fight for the GOP nomination. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I know that Johnson was more conservative than Kennedy, but he's been saying the right things lately, and 
I don't know, psychologically to me, it seems like Kennedy was killed and everybody, I mean, they said it right there, everybody loved Kennedy. Um, wouldn't it seem likely to you that Johnson would basically continue the policies that Kennedy was charting as like a homage to him? No, or like not a tribute necessarily. To him? Not if he actually felt did not feel that way and was just, you know, following the course of his boss. No, I don't know. I almost feel like the the tragic nature of this is going to make Johnson more in line with Kennedy than a lot of people are assuming. I, I, that I would probably agree to and just that you know he'll probably emotionally want to stick with what like, his bosses to remember the memory of Kennedy right to I don't know that's just what it seems like to me anyway uh, but obviously Jack Bell from AP News does not agree with me what else is new? What's a state trooper hearing? Uh, state trooper's hearing delayed. A 7224 a year state police trooper was... $7,224 a year state police trooper was arraigned in U.S. District Court Friday as the holdup man in a $3,145 bank robbery, which Superior said he admitted staging on impulse. Oh, Wow. We got our state troopers doing the, doing the crimes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you can't trust the cops, who can you trust, right? Right. Andy, Andy J. Salkovich, a trooper for seven years, made no attempt to enter a plea after District Attorney Lawrence Gubau told Judge Fred Case, I'm not convinced he is fully aware of the circumstances or significance of the charge against him. Can you imagine how guilty he must have been or what the evidence they must have had against him for him not to... Not to enter a plea yeah. of any kind? Yeah, but listen to this quote again. I am not convinced... This is from District Attorney told the judge, I am not convinced he is fully aware of the circumstances or significance so of the charge against him. So what kind of a moron him. did they hire as Exactly. A what kind of state trooper do they have that he doesn't understand the ramifications of a of, of a robbery, I a bank robbery? I wonder where he got trained. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't really fill me with warm feelings <laughs> regarding the cops. No. Nope. Uh bond set for $25,000. Yeah, I, not sure how. Uh, and, and all <laughs> over, um, the robbery amount was like a half a year of his salary. We're yeah. not talking like he's doing a bank heist of a million dollars. Well, they said he admitted staging it on impulse. We hey, don't want impulsive police officers. No, but I feel like too many of them are impulsive. Auxiliary holds memorial rights. Memorial rights conducted at auxiliary meet. Oh. It looks like uh, two writers didn't correspond with one another about what articles they were writing. Auxiliary holds memorial rights in Besmer. Memorial rights conducted at auxiliary meet in Besmer. Mm. So I guess uh, two writers decided to read the exact, write the exact same article. Wait, what's this article on the back? Hang on. I'm not going to... You got to... 
You're gonna get me all confused here, Ma. We gotta go in order. <laughs> order? I yeah. see what I'm seeing. You're holding the paper up backwards to me. I can see the back page. Well, hold your horses. We'll get there. Film is shown to booster clubs. State editors ponder what hatred brought on killing. Look in the mirror, America. Is this what you want? A society so sick that our president isn't safe that he should die? I... Uh, I'm pretty sure that one guy shooting the president isn't indicative of the uh, overall state. feeling of society. I don't know. I mean, it's a tragedy, most certainly, but uh, I don't know. I don't think the rest of the 240 million people are feeling the same way as the gunmen. Yeah, I, I would... Although we had, what, in that other paper, they talked about the guy with the swastika uh, dancing in, in Madison. Gunman killed American Dream, JFK a symbol. Coincidence of deaths, there's the same thing that we had earlier. State residents are mourning for president. Ancient rights administered to president. According to his faith, President Kennedy's death Friday was a meeting place between him and his God. As the moment of death approached, a Roman Catholic priest standing over him uttered these words as set down to the church in the church rites. Go forth, Christian soul, out of this world in the name of God, the Father Almighty, who created thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who suffered for thee. You know, you almost forget, I mean, we almost forget that Kennedy was a, a Roman Catholic, but... Uh, I mean, I remember three years ago, people doubted that he was going to win because he was a Roman Catholic. It just goes to show how uh, popular he was that we've basically forgotten that fact in the last three years. Mm -hmm. Just Loves Children, Dr. and Mrs. Joseph P. Clark of Reseda, California. Pose with uh, nine of their own and a newly adopted son after adoption proceedings. Well, I guess they do love children business meet to be on Monday in Ontonagon. Crew of sunken ship tells about big blow down in Miami. Who cares? Late president dynamic figure on state visit. Detroit police kept tight security for Kennedy visit. Well, that sounds like yeah. it's in bad taste. Huh? Yeah. Hey, we did a good job. We did a good job, but He's dead anyway. Yeah, don't blame us. We did a good job. Lyndon Johnson visited twice. Visited state twice in a year. New cribbage session begun in Ontonagon. Hmm. The cribbage club enjoyed a beef dinner Tuesday evening at the Post Home in observance of the close of the first cribbage season. Arc meeting. Tuesday night. Okay, let's look at this back page. Then let me get in. What one did you want to look at? That one, the National Whirly Gig. Oh, they have those all the time. Uh, National Whirly Gig is just the name of the column. I know, but it looks like an interesting article. Oh. You were reading it behind my back. Yes. You're not quick enough. Gotta be quicker than that. At the sear age of 41, Prince Noradam 
Sehanouk of Cambodia is still a crazy mixed up kid with what the head feelers call a strong death wish. He seems determined that his little country about the size of Utah should commit suicide in the arms of communist China. Sihanouk, a playboy type who toots the saxophone and writes jazz music, sees Red China as the wave of the future and he wants in. The communists will surely triumph in South Vietnam in a few years, he says. If we do not side with the communists in 1964, we will have to do so in 1965 or 66. This is inevitable. It would seem, therefore, that Sihanouk's threat to stop taking United States foreign aid money unless we behave is merely incidental to his long-range purpose. Now, does that not sound ridiculous? He's going to threaten us for not to accept our money. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I see the reasoning there. I know, but the, in most places, wouldn't it be the opposite threat? We aren't going to give you money? No, he's threatening, don't give me your money. <laughs> yeah, but you know why that is, though? No. Because if they don't accept the U.S.'s money and they start accepting Red China's money, the likelihood of Cambodia going communist increases, which... I mean, that's our entire well, foreign policy. Well, he wants to go communist anyway, so... If well, you... he thinks it's inevitable. I it's... mean, Cambodia is right next to South Vietnam. Okay, so why would why would we continue to give money? He's not threatening. He's telling you we're going to go communist, and so don't give us your money. Well, I mean, I, I see your point. I'm just stating that, of course, our, our foreign policy apparatus is going to want to contain communism at all costs even if that means giving money to uh, somebody who doesn't really seem to be totally on board with what we're saying here. Let's see, where did, where was I? Uh, he has announced he will call in five experts from Peking to help organize state control, and several weeks ago he declared that if Cambodia had to choose between Red China and the West, he would without hesitation the People's Republic of China. None of this sounds like a man interested in preserving his country's independence. Well, I don't know. That does sound like preserving independence to me. Doesn't, because you're going to get away from accepting free money. Well, he'd be accepting free money from China then. The well, point is, is, he is that it would he's be... going to accept free money from China or is he just yes. going to ask how to set up that kind of a government no it was right here if he uh do yeah if he had to choose between them that he's talking about aid oh okay all right so he's taking one way money one way or another yeah and the point is is that well at least he's not saying he's, he's telling us up front and not saying they're just taking the money and then saying well i'm going to take the money from the other people too yeah well I don't see this last point. So, I mean, you're, you're right. But this last point, I don't see it. preserving his country's independence. So he either takes the money from the U.S. and does what the U.S. wants, or he takes the money from China and does what China wants. What's the difference? Nothing. Neither are independent. Right. Or both are independent. They just because because they don't have a direct ruler. They have a de facto ruler. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But uh it doesn't sound like he's throwing away independence. It's just trading in one horse for another. Right. 
Not our baby. See who nukes gripe has some validity, but at the moment there doesn't seem to be much the U.S. can do about it. He's threatened to stop accepting American aid January 1st unless Uncle Sam manages to stop clandestine broadcasts by his Cambodian opposition from Vietnam and Thailand. But so far, all the State Department has been able to do is try to convince Sihanouk that the U.S. has no control over sovereign countries, even if they are living off us. Besides, oh, so, so the real reason that he was going to stop accepting the U.S. aid is because he has a political com- opponent that the U.S. is backing. Or at least that the U.S.'s states are backing. Right. Okay. That makes maybe a little more sense now. And another reason why we shouldn't put our political economic spin on things because you force somebody into whatever. Another system. Well, we shouldn't do that anywhere. Right. Uh, besides the opposition Khmer Sarai group is a tiny outfit with no popular support in Sihanouk's Cambodia Hmm. never even heard of the Khmer Sarai interesting I wonder what they're up to yeah the temptation to tell Sihanouk to get lost is strong here, but it would be an expensive luxury. Uncle Sam has pumped some $365 million into Cambodia in the past nine years, and this year is spending $29.2 million there. Naturally, we're still interested in getting some return for our dough. Okay, yeah. There's always got to be something. Why, why would we be given 300 and some million dollars? What are we wanting out of them? But after all, $365 million is only money when considered in the context of the Cold War. What is important is that Cambodia is one of the strategic keys to Southeast Asia, bordering as it does on Laos, Vietnam, and Thailand. If the Chinese Reds get a toehold there, the whole neighborhood will be in trouble, just at a time when the overthrow of the Diem regime in Vietnam has seemed to pave the way for a new thrust against the communist Viet Cong in North Vietnam. No friend of ours. It is for this reason that some of our diplomats are hoping that Sihanouk's threat is a bluff mounted to force the Americans and French as well as South Vietnam and Thailand to crack down on the Khmer Sarai. Yet the guy has been courting Red China for several years now, and earlier this year he signed a friendship pact with Peking binding the two countries to support each other's foreign policies. Earlier he had asked the big powers to guarantee the neutrality of Cambodia as they did for Laos But the West turned this down because of its experience with the communist-leading Troika government in Laos. So in other words, he was trying to remain neutral, but we said no. Mm -hmm. Nor does Sihanouk come to the controversy with clean hands. Viet Cong guerrillas take sanctuary across the Vietnam border in Cambodia when things get rough. And intelligence reports say the Viet Cong use remote Cambodia jungle areas as training bases for their guerrillas. President Kennedy says he would think Sihanouk is more concerned about Cambodian independence than we are. I find that I find that last point uh, interesting. <laughs> when things are going rough, they go into remote areas of the jungle to train. Wouldn't remote areas of the jungle mean that they're hard to police? Yeah. But we're saying that his hands are dirty because these hard to police areas are being used as training locations. 
So he has no control over it. That's how I would understand that. I mean, I don't, I don't know the geography or terrain of Cambodia, it's but the size of Utah. But based on remote Cambodia jungle areas, it, that seems to me like it would be pretty hard to make sure that there's nobody doing anything there. Now let's see if there's anything else in this paper today. Anything? Anything? You see anything here? Um. Vietnam regime to investigate crimes. South Vietnam's new revolutionary government will establish a commission to investigate crimes committed during former President Ngo Dinh Diem's tenure in office. The commission will be instructed an announcement said to investigate all crimes committed by private persons or agents of public services who took advantage of their official position to arrest and detain people unlawfully, torture and rape or murder nationalist elements opposed to the Diem dictatorship. The period to be investigated will run from October 26, 1955, when Diem was given supreme power by a referendum, to last November 1st when he was overthrown by a military coup. I mean, if it's a fair inquiry, doesn't it seem like a good thing to investigate crimes? Yes. Now, the, que the question would be the neutrality and the fairness of that trial, I guess. Mm -hmm. A lawsuit in a polio case. World of women. It's not a do nothing Congress. John Chamberlain. Scarcely a day passes without someone teeing off on the U.S. Congress for exhibiting the pace of a snail while important issues hang in the balance. Books are written on the deadlock of democracy. Speeches are made about legislators' banking bankers' hours, and Senators Case and Clark, the one a Republican and the other a Democrat, push their bills for a thoroughgoing reorganization of congressional procedures. Nevertheless, while it's incontestably true that the present Congress has dawdled with its consideration of important administration bills, the imputation that this is a do-nothing or can't-do session of the legislature is wildly misplaced. Actually, a majority of our congressmen have been acting or refraining from acting on the basis of a very coherent logic. And in following the dictates of this logic, they have made two tremendous decisions which, for better or for worse, affect the course of history for a long time to come. Let's see. The first decision made by the Senate was to accept the nuclear test ban. Vote on the test ban was conditioned by the theory that no great showdown with the Soviet Union is on the horizon. Since Soviet Russia is demonstrably in trouble, both at home and in its relations with Red China, there is something to be said for this theory, at least for the short and middle distance run. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, I mean, the less nukes that are being tested, mm -hmm. I'd say the better. Where's the second thing? Having accepted the premise of the test ban, it follows that the question of spending money on foreign aid to the end, to the end of tightening a noose around Soviet Russia is no longer crucial. I can't say that this is right, but it is a coherent deduction from an initial premise. You mean like we're, we don't want to have to influence all the other countries in the world to focus at what? This this is all good news. Yeah, it depends on what the foreign aid is. I mean, if it's food aid, 
to countries that yeah, are in famine it, or something like that. But if it's only for diplomatic reasons, right? I would agree with that. Tax bill. Budgetary deficit. Blah, blah, blah. Foreign aid slashes. When it comes to dawdling on the civil rights issue, there may be ground for criticizing Congress, but there is logic behind the laggard pace, the prospect of a long and draining filibuster on such items as the public accommodations. Oh, the cat's coming down. <laughs> draining filibuster on such items as a public accommodations bill is enough to make strong men blanched. You see, I'm telling you, I think that, I mean, we know how hard Kennedy's been pushing for that civil rights bill. Maybe now that uh, he's dead, that'll get Congress to do something about it. Where's the cat? Oh, there she is. Come here, kitty. We're almost done, then. We'll play with you. Nuptials, church events. Oh, well, there she goes. Whoops. At least it wasn't your coffee cup. Yeah. This is just a sports page. Yeah, not there. And these are all... Those are guns. What, shock, anger, and sorrow? Yeah. Expressed by Ironwood folk. Shock, anger, and sorrow were expressed by the citizens of Ironwood Friday afternoon upon hearing of the tragic slaying of John F. Kennedy. Acting Postmaster Bernard Krause said the flag would fly at half-staff. I think it is a terrible thing. I was never so shocked at anything in my, in my life, said one middle-aged woman. Store clerk said it's a pretty terrible thing when someone gets so wild over politics that they have to shoot a person they don't agree with. That makes our country look bad in the eyes of the rest of the world. I feel very bad for both the president and his family. One old man stated, I cried when I heard the news. I liked Kennedy. I voted for him, and I would have voted for him again. He was one of the very few rich men who ever gave a thought to those who had less. He really was a great man. Yeah, that's, that's not common. No. Here's another one. A woman who immediately got tears in her eyes when asked what she thought about the shooting said, I'd like to get my hands on the guy that did it. It's a tragic loss both for this country and the rest of the world. I think that there aren't too many people who actually realized how great he was. I also think he was a very kind man. I talked to some high school students, World War II vets. Yeah. What are you pointing at? Hospital notes? Read that. The hospital notes? Yes. Grand View. Admitted Friday, William Sally, 521 Kennedy Street, Medical. Discharged Friday, Mrs. Mary Fernandez, Ramsey, Fred Martini, James Maddy, Hurley, Mrs. Ann K. Kosky, Upson, Maxine Lagoon, Guile, Mrs. Edward Kosky, Montreal, Mrs. Robert Morrison, Maurice Backard, Backend, Mrs. Victoria Wojciech, John Cluck, Ironwood, Divine Infant, 
Wakefield admitted Thursday Ernest Sandell Ironwood surgery. Jack Nerva Wakefield, Connie Conley Marinesco, medical. Discharge Friday, Mrs. Esther Miller, Mrs. Peter Schmidt, and daughter, Ironwood. You know, if they ever have to, if I ever have to have some kind of a procedure or surgery or I'm admitted for some reason to the hospital, I really don't want everybody to know about it. And so could you see if you could contact that Globe and, and find out if there's a way to keep your name from getting posted publicly in the general news if you have some issue where you're sick. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that before, but you always do see those hospital notes in these papers. And, uh, I mean, I agree. If I have a stroke, I don't want right. everybody in town I mean, to know that I have know, a stroke. I, mean, I don't want to get fired from my job because they think that I'm too ill to, to work anymore. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Turn back one page. I wanted to look at the classifieds. I saw this. Uh, there was a. Let's see. Where was it? It was a guitar. They needed somebody to play the guitar somewhere here. I thought maybe you'd be interested. I, no, where is that? Um, I mean, I'm not a great guitar player, but if let's see, it might be in help. We're gonna pay. I'll tell them I'm a great guitar player. Help. Help wanted? No. Want ad announcements, services, employment, help wanted female, help male, uh, guitar player wanted hmm. at Fire Hall in Besmer. See, I thought maybe that you'd be interested in that. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm not a great guitar player, but if they're going to pay me, I'll tell well, them I'm a great guitar player. Well, they're going to pay. It might be just, you know, for fun. I'll make them pay anyway. Okay. Soviet rocket expert. This is the last one. Soviet rocket expert says Russia stronger. A Soviet ro uh, rocket specialist, Colonel, Colonel General, it's a weird rank, Colonel General Vladimir Tolubko says the Soviet Union has the stronger nuclear force no matter what U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert S. McNamara says. In a Moscow broadcast monitored in London, Tolubko said, in the competition imposed on us by aggressive forces for quality and quantity of nuclear missiles, we not only do not drag behind those who menace us with war, we are very much better than they. Tolubko, first assistant commander of Soviet strategic rocket forces, was replying to a recent speech by McNamara who claimed nuclear superiority for the United States. In other words, everybody's better. Right. I don't know. What do you think, Ma? Well... Yeah, everybody's better, so let's stop making the nukes. Yeah, I'm all on board with that. I mean, we all remember how scared we were during the Cuba crisis. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I think that that'll pretty much do it for today. I'm going to go grab another cup of coffee, and I know the cat wants to get played oh, with. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Thanks for reading the paper, Ma. Yep. Again, today was... Saturday, November 23rd, 1963, and you are listening to And That's the Way It Was.